Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Here for hardcore church planting. And uh, as always, we we go straight into the interview with no good smack talk, even though I've got a bunch I'd like to share. I'm going to hold off. It's killing you. It really is, actually. It really is. It was another podcast review we just got in. (laughs) But (laughs) with that, Peyton, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Hey, so I am really excited to uh, introduce Brian Burgess. He is the pastor of Forward Church. He's a friend and uh, a guy I respect with a whole posse of guys that I respect. Kevin, uh, uh, Bishop Burt, a bunch of guys that all served uh, together. There was a punk band uh, back in the 90s. He can tell us a little more about it. One of my favorite punk bands, the Combat Junkies. And uh, these guys all got saved, formed a band, and uh, a lot of them became church planners. And Brian is one of those guys uh, out in Virginia. I met these guys at Exponential a few years ago. We immediately connected, and uh, I've done some work with them uh, coming out to some of their conferences, and they have an incredible church planting movement. So, Brian, man, welcome on to Hardcore Church Planning. Very good, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I, I do want to say that was the 2000s, not the 90s. So oh. when we had punk band. Oh, wow, man. Well, you know yeah, what? It started in the late 90s, but yeah. Not everyone's okay. as old as you, Peyton. That's what it comes I mean, down it's to. It's true, huh? <laughs> you know, I, the, the 2000s didn't exist for me in America. So, you know, in my brain, that didn't happen. I was in Europe during those. Music was better in the 90s, right? So I guess we'll, we'll go with the punk from the 90s. It, that is probably true, except for your music. If you guys have not heard the Combat Junkies, well, you have, because you've heard the podcast, and they are our theme song. Fight or Die is the name of that song, and Brian is the guitarist. Awesome. Well, uh, Brian, what we always like to do when we get started is to uh, ask our guests their story of how they came to faith and how they got involved in church planning. Oh, it's great, man. Well, i tell you. Uh, the way that I came to faith was I didn't grow up in church. Uh, you know, you probably hear a lot of those stories from church planters. And so my family, uh, they were kind of just had not really an aversion to church, but they just, they, it was boring and irrelevant and, and they didn't really have any reason to go. And so ultimately, um, I had gotten in some trouble. Uh, I used to be like this mean, rough, rough, tough guy. And I'd gotten in some trouble and ended up going, uh, I was locked up for like 24 hours. And while I was locked up, there was uh, on the wall, somebody had written, I don't know how they did it, but somebody had written the letter G and then a dash and then Z-U-S. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's not, I don't think that's how you spell Jesus. And so uh, I remember thinking whenever that was going on, there's something uh, that, man, I'm missing there. And that was kind of a link for me. So I, I, I left jail the next day for, for fighting and uh, locked myself away from from everybody. I'd kind of figured that the people that were in my life uh, were kind of people there not to help. And before I know it, 
uh, a friend of mine, I bumped into him in a movie store and he asked me if I still played guitar. And so to make a long story short, we started playing guitar and decided to form this band. And, and, uh, I didn't know he was a Christian. I didn't know he was a follower of Christ. And so ultimately he invited me to go to, uh, to his house. We started playing in this band together and playing, you know, good rock and roll songs. And, and, uh, we would do that every Monday night. And eventually there came this one Monday night where he wasn't able to get together and jam. And so he told me, you can pick me up. And we'll go jam there, but you've got to pick me up. And guess where it was at? It was at the church that he was at. Hmm. And so uh, I go to this church, and I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'm kind of hanging out in the parking lot, uh, you know, just waiting on him to get out. And before I knew it, me hanging in the parking lot, I was kind of a nuisance. There was a lot of skaters out there. And and so uh, the youth pastor came out. And uh, I know what he was doing now. Like now he was really trying to kind of say, guys, we don't want you out here skating and all of that. But he came out and he made a connection with us. And I just knew, man, I knew from the first time I met the guy that there was something genuine about him. And I had never really kind of encountered that kind of that kind of person who really cared about me for me and not me for what I could could bring to the table. Mm. And, uh, and that guy was actually Brett Cooper, who was the guy who led me to Jesus. He was the uh, the youth pastor of that church where Kevin, who was the singer of the Combat Junkies, who's now a pastor in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and so it was really a slow process, about a nine-month process. I came in the parking lot to start with, and then eventually I made my way in for one of those Monday night youth services. And, and uh, it was kind of weird. You know, they had colored lights around, and they were like, you know, everybody's in uh, dressed down in blue jeans and stuff like that. Like, not what I expected church to be. And beyond that, like I know those are kind of the things on the surface, but beyond that, I knew that the people in that building had something that I didn't have. And I remember like it was yesterday, man, just just one day, like uh, about nine months into the process, I knew that, man, they had something that I needed in my life. And uh, that was the day that I gave my life to Jesus. And so that's where we started. Hmm. So here, here's the uh, the thing that we want to talk to you about is it, it, what's what's interesting about you is you're a, a team of a bunch of young leaders that were kind of you know uh, Dayton Burt had taken you guys and discipled you and you actually posted something recently um, six things I've learned about being a pastor and so as a church planner. Um, speaking to our church planners, uh, in a wave of church planners, in a movement of church planning where you guys are planting and sending out church planners. Um, I was particularly interested because when you plant young, you learn fast. And some guys can take their life experiences with yeah. them um, that they've had maybe from years of ministry before they planted. But you guys kind of hit the ground running. And I thought that your insights were were very potent and very powerful. And so I wanted to kind of walk through some of those um, so that guys can can learn. These are, you know, kind of proven, time-tested. These are things you learn sometimes maybe uh, 10, 20 years down the road in a conventional church setting. But like I said, in a church plant, you learn fast. And when you're young, <laughs> you learn it the hard way. So uh, let, let's just kind of pick your brain a bit and go through those six things Okay. that you've learned. So first one you mentioned here is being a lead pastor is hard. Explain yeah. that a bit. Yeah. Well, um, just really briefly, my experience, I've been on about four different church planning teams. Um, I've worked in every area of the church that you can, man, kids, youth, 
praise and worship. I've done parked cars in the parking lot. I had kind of done everything and thought that I knew everything there was to know about church and about ministry and leadership until I became an actual lead pastor. And uh, that was uh, actually this Sunday, two days ago, was six years ago. And uh, what I've learned about being a lead pastor, uh, being hard, is this. You're, man, you know, the old idea, the buck stops here. Everything stops with you. Hmm. Um, and, man, I'm telling you, it's it's just, it's difficult because before I could still be the guy who was learning and growing. But there's a certain level that you're expected to be at when you're a lead pastor. And the the pressure of knowing that the decisions that are made, be they good or bad, be they right or wrong, I'm ultimately responsible for those. Mm. And there are, man, it's it's like the idea of, you know, there's an old saying that you're a jack of all trades and a master of none. Uh, well, being a lead pastor, you really have to be a jack of all trades, but everybody expects you to be a master of all trades as well. Mm. And uh, it's, it's just difficult. It's a difficult yeah. journey. Um, it's a journey that's that's great and exciting, but it's also, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's your baby and you're the one that's taking care of it. I, I think, too, it's kind of like people think it, there's a lot of armchair quarterbacks out there where they watch people in leadership or maybe they've heard things about leadership and they suddenly become experts. I've noticed over the years that that people will learn things like I'll share the philosophy of it, particularly in a church plant. And then over time, people will start thinking they can do what you do. And in one sense, they can like they, you know, part of your job is to empower them. But they, they might know what you do or what needs to be done, but they still themselves can't do it. Case in point, like pizza marketer, right? I could probably sit through all the training that Pete's done over the years and still not be the marketer he is because it's or not the man. my makeup. Or the man. <laughs> or the man. That is true. And, and I think a lot of times in leadership, even that aspect is the same. People might, you know, people think, oh, I've been in church for years and I've watched things. Yet it's still not in their makeup and in their wheelhouse to do those things. And so I think you you get a lot of that. And particularly when you're young. That's where Paul says, hey, let no one look down on you yeah. uh, because you're young. And that that's always an occupational hazard. Yeah. Well, second question, it won't happen as fast as you want it to. Uh, why not? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, there are two things that inform that other than my personal experience. Um, actually, Peyton, when you and I met at that exponential conference a few years ago, Craig Groeschel was there and he made this statement and, and I didn't need to write it down. I didn't need to tattoo it on my arm. It's, it's always going to be in my heart. He made this statement that most of us overestimate what God wants to do in the short run of our lives. And we underestimate what God wants to do in the long run of our lives. And man, he said that it hit me just like a ton of bricks because the reality is that what God, ministry, church planting, church leadership is not a sprint. It's not, man, if I can get to Easter, everybody will be here and that's okay. No, because if you get to Easter, you've got to get to the day after Easter and then you've got to get to the week after Easter and then you've got to get to the next month and all of that. And, and ultimately, uh, you know, skyscrapers aren't built overnight. You know, right. we can go and we can pitch a tent in one, you know, in, in 30 minutes, we can get a tent pitched, you know, no matter what size the tent is. But ultimately what God's called us to do is bigger than pitching a tent. He's called us to build cities. And so, you know, the two places where that's informed is that Groeschel quote. And I remember listening not too long ago to uh, Matt Chandler, and he made the statement that as a young leader, 
we often think that the reason Rome wasn't built in a day was because we weren't the foreman. And that if we're given a shot, we're going to go faster than the people who in front of us went. And, we, you know, you don't know who we are and we're capable as leaders to make it happen overnight. And right now, that's sort of things out of us along the journey. I tell you, man, I, I'm 32 years old when I first started this journey. I was like 24. And, uh, man, I'll tell you the honest truth. I went into a church uh, that was a relaunch scenario. There were about uh, uh, 12 people there. And I thought by the end of the year, there was going to be 1,200 people there, mm. uh, you know, because of me and the force of my personality. And I'm a great leader and I went to school for it and I'm unconventional and we're going to do it. And and the reality of the matter is at the end of that year, we had gone from 12 to about 20 people. And because I thought it was going to happen faster, I thought we were going to be able to connect with people quicker uh, than than what it really happened. It frustrated me and made me feel like I wasn't a good leader and I didn't have what it takes and the reality is over the long period of that is God did more over a long period of time than than he did in a short period of time. And so that's kind of what, what informs that. It takes time. It takes time. Brian, uh, in your, your article that you wrote, you've got here point number three, the relationships you build are more important than the stuff you do. <clears throat> Can you kind of unpack that for us? Yeah, most definitely. We're driven. We're leaders. We want to make it happen, you know, especially as church planters. At the end of the day, we're the one that are kind of pulling the biggest plow, so to speak. And so we can often put what we do in front of connecting with relationships. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, man, the reason I'm on this podcast is not because of what I do, but because I made a connection relationally with Peyton Jones a few years ago. And, uh, and we've cultivated that relationship over time. And, and so what I mean when I say that the relationships you build are more important than the stuff you do, the stuff's very important. We don't want to stop the stuff, but ultimately the relationships feed back into our lives. The relationships pour back into who we are. Um, there are going to come times, man, you know, I said in point number one, it, it's hard. It's hard. It's difficult. There are going to come times when what you do is going to actually make you want to quit what you do. And it's those relationships, those life-giving, God-honoring relationships in your life that are going to help pull you through. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that's kind of the sweet spot, too, of ministry is the people. Right. I mean, it is after all about people. We always joke around about, man, ministry would be so awesome if we didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> yeah. Right. But ministry is people. Yeah. And you're ministering constantly, uh, to people that are broken and, and run down. And, and I, I really like your, uh, your, your next insight, which, uh, just to set it up a bit, um, you know, a lot of times on a team leadership, you can be afraid to take the lead. You can be afraid to um, step on toes. And I really like this point. I, I think it's always the balance to anyone who's in team leadership. And uh, it's don't be scared to lead. Tell us a little bit about how you came to that. Well, where I came to that, the first church that we served at, the church I referenced a little earlier, um, it was my first time as a lead pastor. Um, I had all these great ideas, but I also was scared. Um, I kind of, um, the, the, the culture that I come from is we were team leaders around the table. And so there were no one idea that was better than the other. Uh, we would always let the best idea kind of win and we would champion what worked for the, for the group and for the team. Where we're at is, you know, I'm around the table. I'm the guy in charge. 
and uh, I'm scared to lead. I'm scared that these guys are going to be upset with me. I'm scared to ask them for the big commitment. I'm scared to change things. And so I let some ideas around that table take precedence that really were bad ideas. Um, and, and I should have been able to, to have the courage to say, no, that's not the direction that we need to go. Here's what we need to do. And so after that was over with one of the guys around the table, he, uh, he spoke with me and, and, uh, it was a really candid moment. I knew that he had my best interest in mind. He was actually younger than I, I uh, was at the time. And I knew that he cared about me and cared about our church. And he said, man, we really need you to lead us. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I am leading. Like I'm the pastor. I'm, you know, I'm leading. And he said, no, the, you add the most value to this team because you know things that we don't know. Mm. And when you refuse to give us the things that you know that we don't know, we can't get better. And, uh, and so I just, I learned from that moment and I'm, I still wrestle with that today because I'm still currently normally about the youngest person around the table. Um, and so I still kind of struggle with that, but I, I just learned you can't be scared to lead, man. You know, the, the God's put you there as whether you're the lead pastor or the church planner or, or whatever position you have, God's put you there to put you and you have insight into the situation that only you have. And, and that's where you add the most value when you lead. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right, man. And, uh, and, and not to be afraid of that. You know, I, I think guys that are the most afraid to lead are guys that are afraid of, of people abusing power. And that's probably the indication that you're okay to go. You're okay. You know, you're good to go. You're okay to lead. So, you know, okay. My favorite point is point number five, right? Um, to paraphrase, uh, you know, the, the 90s band, uh, you know, uh, everybody hurts sometimes. So, uh, point number five, you're going to hurt a lot. Why is that? Yeah. Well, you know, because, uh, John Maxwell says, uh, if you're out in front leading the pack, you're going to get kicked in the rear. And the, the reality of being a pastor, being a church planter is, man, you are on the forefront of, of pain. We live in a broken world. And the business that we're in, we're in a business where we're constantly trying to take broken people and help put them back together. And so there are a lot of unrealistic expectations. There are a lot of times where you as the leader are associated with the highs of their lives and you're associated with the lows of their lives. You know, I, I write in the article uh, that <clears throat> you're in the in the hospital room praying for the newborn baby. You know, you're also in another hospital room praying with a couple who just lost a newborn mm. baby. And it's, it's difficult. It is, it is difficult. It's this idea of, uh, I think that you've got like a, a single piece of paper and that's your life. That's your ministry. And every time you serve, every time you, you do something with your church, every time you lead, every good thing or bad thing, a little piece of that paper is pulled away from it. Um, eventually over time, there's going to be no paper left to pull from. And that's why you're going to hurt. You're going to hurt a lot. And and I'll tell you, honestly, this point come from a lot of personal experience. Um, I found that the people that come in that love you and it's the greatest church and this is the one thing that they've been looking for in their lives. Uh, you know, th there's a possibility that three weeks from now they're going to be saying that to another pastor somewhere else. And, and, and you're just going to hurt. I listened to the podcast you guys had Dr. Chan on, Sam Chan, mm -hmm. um, a, a while back, and he talked about his book, uh, Leadership Pain. He talked about that. And, and I heard him speak one time on this idea 
that you remember when Paul was going into the uh, the island of Malta, um, where the, the the shipwreck happens and all of that, and they they're looking for firewood, and and as Paul gets the firewood out, the snake comes, the serpent bites him, and they say he must be a murderer, and that's God's judgment on him, and and so he's going to die. And so he shakes the snake off into the fire, and he doesn't die. And then a few moments later, they say, well, he's not a murderer. He's got to be a god. And, and Dr. Chan talked about that's how ministry is, is that one day people think you're a murderer. The next day they think you're a god. And that pain is going to come if we, if we take ourselves as leaders and we need the people that we lead. We'll never be able to lead the people that we lead. It's just going to hurt, man. I love it. Well, I think I think one of my favorite uh, points in your article is uh, kind of your your crowning point, point number six. And and just as a refresher, this is the six things I've learned about being a pastor. So why don't you share with us number six? Number six is the best one, and I honestly didn't sit down for this to be in any particular order. I just wanted to write some things. I was feeling kind of reflective. And it worked out in a really good order. This one caps it off. It's all worth it. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, man, we we love what we do. We've been, I, I write in the blog post, we've been bitten by the bug of God. And there's nothing going to scratch that itch like doing what we've been called to do. You know, man, just, just think about, think about like those first few times that you were used by God to see somebody's life change for the better. Like, like we, we, we would go through all the pain, all the difficulty, like we're church planners. We are legitimately crazy. Like we are crazy, but we do it because we know in the end, it's all worth it, man. To see, you know, we, we at forward church every week, we give an opportunity for people to give their lives to Jesus. And every time one of those hands goes up, we rejoice because we know it's all worth it. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We're doing it to please God and to impact people for Jesus. And man, if, if that doesn't get you, get you fired up, there's probably your pilot lights going out. So that's, that's where we crown that, that article with that. It's all worth it. I love it. I love it. Well, one of the things we always like to do when we um, finish off one of our, our interviews is uh, we always ask our, our favorite question. Are, are you a, a listener of hardcore church planning? Yes. Yes, I am. So then you know the question that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the question. If you were to get into a physical fist fight between you and let's say um, you want to go Craig or Ephraim, uh, Peyton? Yeah, let's go with Craig Rochelle since uh, he mentioned Craig already. Yeah, in the article. All right. So if you were to get into a physical fist fight with Craig Rochelle, who would win? I tell you what, man, like I was hoping and praying you weren't going to say Groeschel because that guy has a serious case of swoliosis. Like the, he must be lifting weights like all the time. That's why his church is so big. Um, I've been taking Brazilian jiu-jitsu for about three years, and I feel like I could choke anybody in the world out right now. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, man, Groeschel would mop the floor with me, dude. He would mop the floor with me. So there, there wouldn't even be a contest. Yeah, he's kind of a big dude. He's I mean, a big man <laughs> he's like a man mountain and he's fit he's not like he doesn't have pastor body oh not at all not at all so yeah i you know let, let's give him let's give him then in that case let's give him a chance to to, to redeem himself so uh ephraim smith <laughs> oh you're gonna you're gonna hit him with two I round two baby ding ding you know we uh, you know he got taken out too quickly by craig you know 
I definitely got taken out too quickly. You know, man, I think whenever we're talking about Ephraim Smith, like that's probably going to be a toss up. And uh, by a, by a, by a toss up, I mean I'm going to run away from that man. I'm a lover, not a fighter, brother. <laughs> see, I could see Ephraim giving you a big hug. Hey, why, yeah. why are we fighting? Let's just hug. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of the way I see Ephraim. Why, why we got to fight, brother? Come on. Let's hug it out, man. Let's talk to it like grown men. Can't you see him doing that? Like, can't you see him doing that? I don't know. That's my thought. Listening to Peyton Jones and Pete tell, Peyton and Pete telling us to fight. Let's just hug it out, dude. <laughs> Come on. We know those boys are crazy. Come on. Let's let's not pay any attention to them now. And that would be a whole new blog post and podcast for you guys. <laughs> Peyton almost had me leave church on Sunday when uh, he's talking to someone there and he goes, oh, and by the way, if anyone needs a hug, you just send them right over to Pete. And I was like, that's it. I'm about out of here. Yep. Yep. We were, we were setting up uh, in the new place and I was going through doing my strategizing and my, you know, kind of troubleshooting. Let's, let's sort this out. And. You know, she was the greeter, so I had to tell her, like, oh, right there. That's the hug ministry right there. And I just see Pete, like, stiffen, like, he had his back turned to me. He was throwing something away. And you just, you could see it in the body language. It was like, he kind of half froze, like, I turned to you. And with the total straight face, I'm like, now you're going too far. <laughs> like, that's what I said to you. Going too far would have been, that's his nickname, Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear. He actually did that one time at church. He he sent someone over to give me a hug. <laughs> I just about left the church on that day. I'm not a hugger. Just doesn't I work that way. I love you, brother. Hey, so guys, it has been awesome having Brian Burgess on today. Brian, we appreciate you coming on and not only playing hardcore punk for us every episode, but for coming on and kicking down your ministerial wisdom. Yeah. And thank you for having me on, guys. It's been great. And I really, really am I'm excited about today. Thanks. Man, we'll probably have you on again. That was fantastic stuff, brother. So it's awesome. You know where I'm at, man. All right. Well, Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.